all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Hello, Mississippi. You're listening to a live edition of Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, your host today. I'm alone and lonely and waiting for your call at one 672 7464 That's 1-877-MPB-RING. And our lines are open. Or we'll take an email at southernremedy.mpbonline.org. Boy, we're going to have to talk a little bit about the flu epidemic that's sweeping the area. Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Tennessee. And we'll also talk a little bit about the epidemic of drug abuse. But it's your your call today. Whatever you want to do, let's do it. We'll be right back after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals is weighing White House challenge to uphold President Trump's executive order on immigration. It includes a temporary travel ban on people from seven Muslim-majority countries. The judges question the administration's assertion that the ban is spurred by terrorism threats against the United States. They also challenge the opposition's argument that the ban unconstitutionally targets Muslims. Today, Trump tweeted that if the White House loses the pending court case, quote, we can never have the security and safety to which we are entitled politics, end quote. Well, appearing before a group of police chiefs and sheriffs today, the president questioned the legal challenge to his order, and he warned that the court might be motivated by politics. If these judges wanted to, in my opinion, uh, help the court in terms of respect for the court, they do what they should be doing. Trump's address about the order came as one of the countries on the list of banned nations. Somalia delivered a stunning upset in its presidential election today. A new person has been elected to lead that country. His name is Mohammed Abdullahi Farmajo. Though he was the popular favorite, many believe widespread corruption would deliver a victory to the incumbent. The Yemeni government is seeking a reassessment of the deadly U.S. military raid that killed several women and children last month. But a Yemeni government source denies reports that Yemen is demanding a halt in American operations on the ground. The January 28th raid against al-Qaeda fighters in central Yemen also claimed the life of a U.S. Navy SEAL. Six service members were wounded. The United Nations is launching a major humanitarian appeal for Yemen, which reportedly is on the brink of famine. Lisa Schlein is in Geneva. She reports that the U.N. is now asking for more than $2 billion to provide life-saving assistance to 12 million people, which is half of Yemen's population. Two years of warfare have taken a terrible toll on Yemen's civilian population. As usual, it's the children who are suffering most. U.N. Emergency Chief Stephen O'Brien says millions of people are going hungry. Yemen is one of the most food-insecure countries in the world, a staggering 7.3 million people 
do not know where their next meal is coming from. O'Brien says malnutrition is rising at an alarming rate, with more than 2 million children seriously affected. He warns, without immediate action and despite the ongoing humanitarian efforts by the UN and partners, famine is a real possibility in Yemen this year. For NPR News, I'm Lisa Schlein in Geneva. At a last check on Wall Street, the Dow was down 40 points at 20,049. S&P was off a fraction. NASDAQ was up a fraction of a point. This is NPR News. President Trump reportedly plans to have lunch with a group of moderate Democrats in the Senate who could be considered pivotal in a chamber where Republicans have only a slim majority. The gathering was first reported by USA Today. It may include Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Joe Donnelly of Indiana. White House has not yet confirmed details of a lunch between the president and Senate Democrats. Two Israeli rights groups are asking Israel's Supreme Court to overturn a new law that legalizes dozens of settler outposts in the West Bank. They're asking the high court to prevent the law from being enforced. Palestinian and Israeli critics say the law amounts to land theft, but supporters say the settlements should be legalized because they were built in good faith and were supported by several Israeli governments. In Great Britain, a plan to build a tunnel under one of the country's most famous historical sites, Stonehenge, is facing fresh scrutiny from historians and archaeologists. Marx has more from London. The UK government has spent years designing a project that would essentially take a busy road which passes close to the world-famous stone circle and hide it underground. And though most historians in general approve of the idea, three British heritage organisations have now expressed their opposition to the tunnel's western entrance. They say it would be too close to a collection of ancient tombs known as barrows that are considered an integral part of the historical landscape. These tombs are significant funerary and ceremonial mounds created thousands of years ago at around the same time that elements of Stonehenge itself were under construction. The entire region forms part of a larger world heritage site and there will now be another round of consultation on the development later this year. For NPR News, I'm Bill Marks in London. And I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News in Washington. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Blue Vine, providing small businesses with online access to capital through revolving lines of credit and invoice factoring with a commitment to transparency. Small business credit help is available at bluevine.com. On Mississippi Edition, you'll hear in-depth discussions on the issues that matter to you. We'll bring you important news about the state's always changing political climate. You'll hear from community leaders and others working to make a difference. And of course, there'll be stories from the real lives of real Mississippians. So check us out. We're online at mpbonline.org or on the air every weekday morning at 830 right here on MPB Think Radio. Ever hear a news story about business or the economy and go, man, why do I care? Yeah, not on Marketplace. We've seen stocks go wild. Customer has gotten really impatient. Okay, first of all, we're talking about awards, Kai. I'm Kai Rizdal. It's the business news of the day. For the rest of us, it's next time on Marketplace from 8 p.m. Tonight at 6 on MPB Think Radio. listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. 
This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. It is the flu season, and guess what? It's right on time. It usually peaks in February, especially in temperate areas like Mississippi, and let me tell you, it is whammo. Now, a lot of people are getting it, just about everybody who hasn't been vaccinated, and many people who have, because uh, the, the, we have the right stuff in the vaccine. It's just a really pretty potent strain so far that we're dealing with. So um, if you want to talk about the flu and you want to know a little bit about how to distinguish the flu uh, from just a cold or other questions, this is your chance. It's open mic today on Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And I didn't bring a a guest today. I just wanted to talk to you. So if you want to talk about flu, pneumonia, or whatever's on your mind, it is a good day to do that. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, one eight seven seven MPB ring, or we'll take your email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org. I'm at your service. It's open mic. Let's go to Gulfport and Angelo. Hey Angelo. Hey Dr. Rick, how are you doing? Doing good. What's going on with you? Okay, um, we have a co-worker who ended up with pneumonia. We try to keep the person away from us, but I think everybody has gotten sick. Uh-huh. But my only symptoms is nothing but runny nose and, ro- and watery eyes. Uh-huh. Um, I was planning on starting taking Allegra, but I need your opinion. Okay, D- did you have the flu shot? Not this year, I didn't. Okay, and has this person uh, is in the hospital or at home? No, it should have been in the hospital from the get-go. We kept telling them uh, we need to be in the hospital, but uh-huh. it didn't happen. Okay, so let me just sort of give you some general information that hopefully will be help- helpful. The uh, the flu that is around, you're trying to figure out whether you got allergies, uh, which begin to come well, on this time of year. Any problems before? Yeah, so that's unlikely if you haven't had allergies. So you probably got a viral infection, and it's either the flu or it's just an upper respiratory tract infection because both of them are going around. We are seeing okay. epidemics of flu and uh, large numbers of kids are out of school and our schools throughout the state. And uh, it is, uh, for the most part, fairly characteristic flu. And that is a couple of days of uh, headache, runny nose, uh, muscle aches, and then really feeling terrible with a lot of respiratory complaints, sometimes sore throat, cough, uh, and a fever, although, uh, f- and fever is, is helpful in distinguishing this from uh, just a, a, an upper respiratory, a, a cold type thing. Uh, most people uh, will get over this within a week, and unfortunately, they are infectious to those around them during at least five days of their illness, including 24 hours or so before they ever get sick. So it's very difficult not to get exposed. And uh, 
the if you, if you have the flu and are treated within the first 48 hours with the flu antibiotic and the one that most people are getting is Tamiflu that shortens the course of the illness uh, by about a day, depending on you know what study you read, and decreases the severity of the symptoms. Now, people who've already been immunized and get the flu usually have fewer symptoms anyway, but we're still giving people who have been exposed to the flu uh, uh, antivirals if they want them. There's a uh, you know it's a marginal help. Most people uh, do a little bit better with the with the uh, Tamiflu, but there's not a big difference. In your case, you've been exposed to someone who has gotten pneumonia, and a small percentage of people with uh, who get the flu get pneumonia. And uh, those are the sickest people. It's a flu pneumonia. There's two types of pneumonia you get with the flu. One from the flu itself that comes on early in the illness, and a secondary bacterial uh, infection that can be life-threatening. So it sounds like this person was sick from the beginning. So my guess, uh, my recommendation to you, you've had symptoms how long, how many days? Um, it started probably yesterday. Uh-huh. So you're probably no, cranking no, up. You're you're probably cranking up. Are you just having r- sneezing and runny nose and sort of yeah. stopped up? Yeah, that's that's frequently the pre- premonitory symptoms. If you're concerned about having flu, there's uh, t- two choices. Number one, since you've not been immunized, it would be to your advantage to go ahead and get to some place, get to a health provider that can give you some Tamiflu. About 50% of the people are ending up negative on their first flu test. The flu swab that we're using is not that good this year. Uh, and so you, you're a candidate for, uh, for going on Tamiflu if you wish to have it. Otherwise, you're just going to have to struggle through it. And we'll talk with some other folks who are calling uh, about the flu and tell you some general uh, things that you can do to be more comfortable till you get over it. But the best case scenario would be you to call a health provider, uh, tell them your symptoms, and ask for Tamiflu, and they may or may not want to swab your throat. Okay? Okay. Sounds good. I hope Thank that helps, much. and I'm sorry you're not doing well. All right, let's go to Jackson and John. I'm Dr. Rick, and it's All Things Considered on uh, this episode of Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Hi, John. Thanks for your call. Yes. Um, I have a friend who had a significant wrist injury about eight years ago uh, in a construction accident. Uh-huh. And it's progressively, uh, I want to say, as he's aged, it's gotten kind of bad around the site. He's developed you know, a big lump at the area, and his wrist is getting less and less uh, mobile, and his face swollen. And uh, long story short, is there a program in Mississippi? I know Louisiana has a kind of an application-type program where you can see uh, a specialist, like an orthopedist or a neurosurgeon. Uh, is there anything like that available at UMC that you're aware of where I can get him in? He, he does not have insurance. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yes, uh, UMC does see people without insurance, and some of the private orthopedists also will establish a payment program for people with no insurance. So 
what I would do recommend to him first is obviously he needs an x-ray. That's going to cost money. Uh, and a doctor visit, that's going to cost money. Um, and he probably does need to see an orthopedist since he's losing range of motion in that wrist. And he probably has a complication of the previous injury, uh, maybe osteoarthritis or something else, but it needs to be looked at. So I would, uh, I would recommend that he call his, uh, any local, uh, orthopedist that he's interested in seeing. And then he can certainly call UMC and can be seen there. Uh, all you have to do is dial the main number, uh, 984-1000 and ask for appointments and they will connect you to the appointment people. If he does not have insurance, they also will connect him to a financial counselor before he comes in where that can be handled. And uh, that would be a, a direct entry way for him. Is that helpful, John? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for calling. We appreciate it. Let's go to Grand Bay and Robert. And by the way, if you want to talk to us, we've got two open lines. Uh, it's one eight seven seven. MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. It's your doc in the box uh, program today with Doctor Rick. I'm lo- alone and lonely, taking all your calls. So give me a call if you want to talk medical stuff today. Let's go to Grand Bay and Robert. Hey Robert. Hey, how you doing, Doc? Well, I'm glad that uh, I'm sorry that tornado went over to all that mess went over to Louisiana, but at least it didn't come your way, huh? I, that's that's right. I, I was already one foot in the grave couple a couple of days ago with uh <laughs> with H one N one. And my question is, um, I did not get a flu vaccination this year, which is uncommon because I normally do. My wife is a nurse. I'm a, I'm wondering if I should uh, go ahead and get the vaccine now. Is it too late or? Okay, so let's uh, let's help the audience understand your predicament. Number one, I'm awfully sorry you got ill. Uh, did you have the flu swab, the rapid test to make a diagnosis, or you, you, correct? Uh huh. And you were positive. Uh, correct. That's very helpful because uh, I'm seeing a whole bunch of people in my clinic who aren't, who clearly have it. We're also seeing ones who do positive, and I've got one patient I swabbed three times before he finally showed up positive. So it's it's uh, hit and miss with the rapid diagnostic tests that we have. Uh, so you're how many days into the flu, Robert? Yes, yeah, still are, here. Sorry. How many days are you into the flu? Well, I, I am I am feeling much much better now. Uh, I had it last week. Uh, it was about seven days of you know i had three days three and a half days of fever and uh you know another four days of of feeling horrible but much much better now and you're not coughing up any nasty stuff at this point i'm still 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 a little bit of mucus coughing but it's it's much much less but nothing green or brown or bloody no. Okay, so you're you're on the mend, and you're going to do okay if you get lots of rest. You can't have a, a relapse of this if you go back to work too soon. And for people who are big exercise freaks, you can get in trouble if you exercise too early or during the flu with muscle problems called rhabdomyolysis. It can be very severe. So we're telling... I do, I, I do manual labor, and... Um... 
I may have went back to work a little too soon. And there you I'm go. Having some joint problems. There you go. There you go. So, so you have to have to take it easy. No, I do not think that uh, you need to get the flu uh, shot right now. There's still a chance that we will have some B series uh, flu coming in here. the The numbers are overwhelmingly A flu. And uh, you now have are making truckloads of antibody to a flu, so uh, certainly in in the short term you don't need uh, to get the uh, flu shot. It, the the you're not covered for B because you haven't had the flu shot. Right. It looks like there's going to be very little B around, so uh, it's going to be a matter of guesstimate. And I would, my guesstimate would be it's always good to get it, but I would not get it right now because you're making antibody and uh, you might make too much antibody. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't get it right now. Okay. Is that helpful? Very helpful. Uh, I hope you uh, continue to improve lots of fluids and a little chicken soup wouldn't hurt. Oh, I've been, I, I've got, I should have stock in uh, Campbell's by now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for your call. Let's go to uh, Alabama and Richard. Um, hey, Richard, thank you for your call. Uh, good morning, Doctor. I'd like to speak with you a little bit about uh, Ill- illegal drugs and the history of them. Okay. Uh, during the 1920s and early 1930s, alcohol was an illegal, dangerous drug. Marijuana wasn't bothered with. And during that time, probably about 40 or 50% of the citizens smoked tobacco. Now, marijuana federally is an illegal drug. Alcohol is legalized. And tobacco, which kills, what, 60,000, 70,000 people a year, is not bothered with. Now, this just really concerns me, the fact that we have no regulation against tobacco, which is a very deadly, and nicotine is a very addictive drug. Mm-hmm. To stop it, can you explain why the situation is? Yeah. Uh, it has to do with politics. Uh, the tobacco lobby uh, has been overwhelming uh, in Congress. Uh, just if there have, as there have been other lobby groups against uh, sweetened drinks and other um, things that negatively affect health. And it has been very, very difficult to get any meaningful uh, legislation passed. Now, we're uh, at a much better pace, place with tobacco than we used, used to be because at least we have black box warnings on, on tobacco and uh, – but we still are having huge numbers of people use this, and this vaping uh, situation that we're having has now pretty much become uh, a, a route to regular tobacco use. So uh, rather than vaping, keeping people from using tobacco products, young people are using it. They're abusing it by increasing the concentration of the nicotine in the product that they use by playing around with the delivery device, and uh, so we have real problems with it. Uh, It would seem to me that it would make a lot of sense to regulate uh, any toxic substances that people are exposed to, but a lot of politicians don't agree uh, with me on that, and that's the bottom line. I would like to see uh, really very stringent limitations uh, about not only tobacco use but smoke exposure. You know that in Mississippi, like many other uh, states, there have been studies showing that if you uh, cut out 
smoking in public, uh, it, the, uh, the number of heart attacks in the area drops precipitously within a month. That is, uh, secondhand smoke is a big, big cause of heart attacks and other cardiovascular disease, even if you're not a smoker. So there you go. You've got my red-hot opinion, and I'll uh, stick with it. Thank you for your call. And we'd love to hear comments from other callers. That's just Dr. Rick's opinion. He is just Dr. Rick. Let's go to uh, Mobile and Gary. Hey, Gary. Uh, Yes. How are things in that wonderful city you live in? Oh, they're doing well. Good. I'm glad Um, y'all didn't have any too bad weather with this big storm that just came through. Oh, I know. We got lucky. Yep. What's on your mind? Um, well, I've been taking some prescription drugs now um, for about five years, and I had a, an injury. And um, my fear is I want to wean off of them, but um, I'm uh, afraid of the uh, withdrawal symptoms and just wondering if there's something else that I can that I can take because the doctors now are making it harder for you to, to get them. Right. Are you taking oxycodone or one of those uh, medicines? Is that what you're t- taking? Um, <clears throat> I've been taking hydrocodone. Uh-huh. And uh, how many of those are you taking having to take a day to get rid of your pain? Oh, probably at least 10. Yeah. So you uh, probably are dependent, uh, and you're probably going to have to go uh, into some kind of a program that will allow you to taper off of those. It is going to be more and more difficult for you to get uh, codeine and codone uh, prescriptions because all of the doctors, including yours truly, <clears throat> are under the gun to stop uh, prescribing them because we're seeing a huge number of deaths from uh, overdose with these drugs when they're accumulated and abused. Uh, there are uh, My recommendation to you at this point would be uh, get yourself uh, a referral to a pain management specialist who also has connections uh, with a good physical therapy and occupational therapy program. Now, you got a lot of those in Mobile. you got some major hospital systems there in the city that do that. And uh, what the pain management um, specialist should be doing is transitioning you to a non-narcotic program uh, in a uh, a slow fashion. Now, the studies show that actually full-dose non-steroidals like naproxen, uh, given with stomach protection, are as equal to or uh, in some studies, better so far as pain management, especially for joint symptoms, than any of these codone preparations. So what you're getting is a lot of uh, central nervous system effects that you don't need uh, and don't help you in the first place. So my recommendation would be to get to a pain management center at one of the hospitals in your area your doctor can refer you. If you don't have insurance, you can call the hospital and they will have some kind of a plan. I know USA does that, but some of the others will as well uh, for you to uh, develop some kind of payment plan and you can still get 
the help you need. Now, Gary, I'm not sure if that's what you wanted. Have you had some? Have you heard of Suboxone? Yes. Is do you know anything about that? Yes, it is. Uh, it is a very helpful uh, agent to get off of uh, narcotics if you uh, have a problem with using too many, as is your case. And uh, there are certain clinics the doctors have to be licensed to use that. You have to take a training course. And that is one option. But there are other options that are available, too. So uh, that would be one of them. One other option would be to put you on a non-steroidal at an appropriate dose and just wean you down from those, uh, you know, one or two pills uh, a day over a month or two and um, to make sure you don't have withdrawal. For for sure, you're going to have withdrawal taking that many a day. Suboxone is one a uh, good alternative among many. I'm going to have a uh, I'm going to have a dr- addiction specialist on the program in the next several weeks. And in the interim, if you need any more information, if you will send me an email at southernremedy@mpbonline.org, I'll send you a truckload of information about these questions you're asking. How's that? Okay, well, thank you. All right, and thank you, Gary, for calling, and uh, and I hope that you keep working on this. You're listening to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Rick here with my producer, the the gorgeous, sexy uh, man known as Jay White, uh, who you will uh, really like to meet someday when we come out your way. And we're taking all your calls at one eight seven seven MPB ring one eight seven seven. You got into some of them drugs I was talking about earlier. Seven four six four, and uh, we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Let's go to Macomb and Rachel. Hey, Rachel. Hey. We appreciate your call. Thank you. Um, I have a question about the flu shot. Yes, ma'am. Um, uh, I've had so many people talk, you know, about having reactions to the flu shots, they got sick or whatever. I read somewhere that sometimes that can be caused by um, an allergy or a reaction to something that's in the flu shot itself. Mm-hmm. Could you speak about that? Because I have reactions to tetanus shots. Okay, that's a, that, I was, that's a, that's I was a good one. I to talk about that. Okay. So uh, the flu shots uh, used to have stuff in them. Uh, that that were antibacterial, um, mercury stuff, products, uh, uh, so forth and so on. And they used to have egg, uh, a lot of egg protein in them because they were basically made in eggs. The flu vaccines that we have now are very different from the old flu vaccines. Uh, they're made uh, uh, in, uh, they're not, not there's very little egg protein in them at all because eggs are not used as a substrate to to make the vaccine anymore and uh, all of the previous um, uh, preservatives that have been put in there in the past have been removed so I think they're extremely safe that's why as a pediatrician I give them to babies uh, and uh, my own grandkids in fact. And uh, the reactions to them are very, very uncommon. Now, if you wait till flu va- uh, flu season to get your um, uh, flu shot, there is a reasonable probability that you'll get the flu after uh, you get the shot. 
and it doesn't have anything to do with the flight, a shot. It has to do with the fact we have an epidemic right now. Everybody is being exposed to this. The incubation period is 48 hours. So about 48 hours after somebody coughs on you, uh, you will start getting what seems like a cold. And then after that, you'll get uh, muscle aches and headache and maybe a little sore throat and uh, your muscles will ache and awful fatigue. And if you don't take care of yourself, you'll have a protracted illness. The res- appropriate response to that is to get extra sleep, drink lots of fluids, and uh, take the appropriate medication to relieve your symptoms. If you're plugged up, the best thing to use is uh, is a, some kind of mucolytic agent uh, that will um, thin the mucus out in your nose, and there are a number of those over the counter. And uh, if you're uh, sneezing, the best thing to do is use salt water to lavage. And there's this thing called the Neil Med uh, that is very helpful. A little squeeze bottle that you get in any drugstore. I have no stock in that. And uh, lay off of anything that will make you sleep. Most of these flu over-the-counter uh, preparations have a lot of Benadryl in there, which dries you up and makes you sleepy. And that's you don't need to be dried up when you have the flu you need to be moisturized. So uh, lay off of these over-the-counter medicines and take Tylenol and a mucolytic uh, of some sort uh, to thin your mucus and uh, and get lots of fluids and, and rest. So, no, I do not think there's a big problem of reactions to flu shots. I think that's a lot of uh, old information. Uh, you can have a reaction to a flu shot, the most common reaction is a place of a redness at the site of the injection, a little lump, and that usually goes away within 24 hours. If it gets real bad, we give you something to put on it, and it goes away. Um, And uh, I don't believe that people get the flu after flu shots, although I have many patients who will swear on a stack of Bibles that they did. I just don't believe it, having looked at the data and having spent a lot of years in the clinic. uh, I think it's just a serendipitous event. I hope that uh, gives you an opinion, Rachel. I'm very opinionated, and uh, I think that's what you wanted, so I hope that's helpful, and thank you so much for your call. We have an open line at one eight seven seven mpb ring We're talking about what you want to talk about, so feel free to give us a, a call. Uh, let's go to Jackson, and is it Cam or Sham? You're on the air, my dear, or sir. Ch- Cham, is that you? Yes, Sam. Sam. Oh, I got yeah. a phonetic spelling. My apologies. Sam, what's happening? Uh, yeah, Doc, uh, uh, you know, uh, this is your show all the time and stuff, and I, and I know you, you, uh, you be busy and stuff, and you forgot to mention to people about uh, uh, the flu season, they be taking, like, if they have uh, a virus, they are taking antibiotics, and antibiotics only treat bacteria infections. And uh, for the other guy who's on the hydrocodone, uh, if he's taking, like, uh, I don't know if you said 8 or 10, but it's like 325 milligrams of hydrocodone in each one of those 10 milligram tablets. So if he's taking 10 to make the math even, go to the different place, one place to the right, He's taking like 3,250 milligrams of uh, uh, Tylenol, and it's been shown that 1,000 milligrams of Tylenol would damage the liver. So, uh, uh, I, think you, I think you are doing your homework, man. 
I, I appreciate your call. And uh, and you're right. You're right. Let me underline a couple of things you said. Number one, I don't agree with your 1,000 milligram cutoff on Tylenol, uh, also known as acetaminophen, if you're not a drinker. Uh, we're cutting off at around two grams, which will let you take four of those 500 milligram double strength Tylenol tablets spaced out for your flu. So I, I, I don't like your number, but it the you're right. The less you take, the better. So that's that one. So anytime you're taking a uh, hydrocodone or codeine product with Tylenol in it, you have a risk for uh, damaging your liver, and that's Sam's point, and it's a good one, and it's an appropriate point. Um, so far as uh, taking antibiotics, for um, the flu, there are circumstances where we do give antibacterial uh, agents for the flu, and that's what I was talking about, that a certain percentage of people will get well from the flu, and then all of a sudden it comes back, and they have a bacterial pneumonia, and that can be very, very serious. So if someone has had the flu, is getting over it, comes back into my clinic and has a high fever and a cough, they get an antibiotic at that time. What they get early on within two days of onset of symptoms is an antiviral, not an antibiotic. And you are absolutely correct on that, Sam. And I appreciate you giving me a chance to clarify it. Call us anytime. Thank you so much. Let's go to Madison and Jackie. Hey, 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 Jackie. Hello. What's going on? Sounds like you're dizzy. Uh, no. Uh, well, I'm not. My husband is. Well, it's uh, not good, is he it? He is 77 years old and mm. never had, well, one time about 20 years ago or more, he had a slight case of uh, vertigo, but nothing ever since. And he goes to an allergist, and he had a bad cough, so he went to an allergist last week, and he sent him for a chest x-ray, which was fine, but his sinuses were badly clogged. He grew up in a house with a heavy smoker, and I agree with you that secondhand smoke has long-term effects, and I'm seeing it with my husband. But um, the next day he woke up, and he was so sick to his stomach, and he said, I think I'm going to have to crawl to the bathroom. Everything's spinning. So we called the allergist, and he said, well, I don't think it's the antibiotic and the other med he gave him, but said, stop taking it for two or three days. We did, and it still has not cleared up. So mm-hmm. we're waiting. Uh we're waiting, actually, for an appointment with a doctor who specializes in, is it Meniere disease? Uh-huh. So uh, let, let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, what antibiotic was it? Oh, I can't tell you. I don't know. Okay. There are some uh, antibiotics, uh, especially ones that are used for sinus problems, uh, like the quinolone, Cipro, uh, and that type of drug that have this kind of effect in seniors. Really? Uh, Seniors are very sensitive to quinolone antibiotics, and they can have reactions just like your husband has had with severe dizziness, vertigo, nausea, all kinds of neurologic stuff. In fact, some seniors can actually have mental status changes uh, with that particular type of drug. So I would not totally exclude that um, that that was the cause and things that happened common are common and the fact that he got the drug and immediately had something he'd never had before 
the probability that it's drug-related is very high. That's point, point A. Point B, getting him to see an ENT doctor is, uh, is certainly very reasonable at this time. Uh, Meniere's disease is a disease of the middle ear uh, and the nerves uh, in the ear uh, that uh, deal with balance. And uh, people that have this disease, you, it frequently occurs after a viral infection, but it can occur spontaneously, have a lot of trouble with uh, vertigo uh, and loss of hearing. Now, you can have vertigo without loss of hearing and not have Meniere's disease because just because you have vertigo, dizziness, doesn't mean you have Meniere's disease. There are many causes of vertigo, and one of them is drug reactions. Uh, there are. Uh, did he take other medicines with the antibiotic? Uh, I believe so. He gave him two medications. Yeah, well, it may have been the other medication that did it. But yeah. anyway, the fact that it has persisted and not gone away, which it should be doing, puts him at a, an extreme risk for falls, right. which in a 74-year-old man is a disaster. Right. So the number one thing that you can do to help him is keep him from falling until you can get him uh, there. And if he's like most men, he's going to be very hard-headed. He's going to want to do everything he's doing, even though he's dizzy, and he's going to slip and fall. So make sure he doesn't wear flip-flops and there's no rug between the bed and the bathroom. And if you got a dog, the dog's not hanging around him because one of the biggest fall hazards they have that we have as seniors are dogs. And I'm talking about the little ones that make you trip. Uh, around you. So take care of the fall hazard and then get him to the ENT doctor. These doctors are all trained in this. And if they cannot confirm in years disease, which I'm not sure he's got, they will send him to a neurologist if he has ongoing problems for further diagnosis. Is that helpful? It is. Thank you. And my daughter, who went to medical school, uh, we looked up on the Internet, and they had these little exercises you could do on a table with your head back. And she said, do not do those. You right. can lodge one of those crystals and make it worse. Yeah, that's that's for a different, that's for benign positional vertigo, which is, right. I don't think, what he's got. If you want me to send you uh, a patient information sheet on uh, Meniere's disease, I'll be happy to do it. Just send me an email uh, Southern Remedy at mpbonline.org, and I will send you some really good stuff uh, from up to date that, that should be helpful. And right, I hope you. this gets straight quickly. Okay, thank you so Bye-bye. much. Bye-bye. Thanks for your call. You're listening to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Rick. We're taking all calls on all topics, and we're having a good time. So keep calling. we got an open line. We're going to Philadelphia. Hey, Linda. Hey. Y'all are fixing to get a snowstorm up in Philadelphia. I saw it on the news uh, this morning. Philadelphia, Mississippi? No, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're good. You caught me. Uh, what's happening? What's happening? Um, I had a, was in a car accident about 10 years ago, and it injured some of the vertebrae in my neck. Mm-hmm. And anyway, ever since the wreck... Uh, And I didn't even go to the doctor after the wreck. I went to the doctor because I just felt like I was dying. And it turns out, you know, he figured out I wasn't sleeping at night. Mm -hmm. So he checked me and, you know, there was a neck injury. Well, I haven't been able to sleep at night since then. And for almost 10 years, I took Sama 
to a night. I never take it in the daytime. I do neck exercises and stuff like that mm. to sleep at night. Well, all of a sudden, the doctor says, I'm not giving you that. That's not a clean drug. So it has been a battle for me that I've had to take. I mean, uh, like Lunesta, the real Lunesta worked really well. I was able to sleep, but, you know, it's very, very expensive, and my insurance company decided they're not going to pay for it anymore. Mm -hmm. The generic Lunesta causes, uh, like, a severe sinus infection, and I had real bad pain. And I mean, I've just been through it. And anyway, I don't understand why doctors don't want to give that. It's $2.00. Is something cheap I can afford, and it helps me sleep. Okay, I okay, I got, I, is- I got it. Let me ask you a little bit of other information. Uh, was this a, a wreck where you were hit from behind? No, we uh, flipped over in a car. Oh my lord! And have you had recent X-rays and evaluation of your neck? No, I'm trying to get to do that, but it's probably going to be four months. What? Uh, I think it's three months before the university would give me a um, sometime March of twenty. Well, you need to tell the university that you're not you're going to go somewhere else if they don't give you an expedited appointment. That's crazy. If you're having that much trouble, you call them back and tell them that you can't wait that long and you want to see somebody now. And if they don't respond, send me an email. That's just inappropriate. So let okay. me let me let me just understand this. So why are you having trouble sleeping? Well, are you having pain in your neck or what? I I believe that pain wakes me up. If I go to sleep, it's like I sleep for a few minutes maybe, Mm -hmm. and then I'm back awake or else I just don't get sleepy at all. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm always taking something. So, you know, it's kind of hard to say. Okay. Well, let me just tell you a couple of ideas that you can do um, uh, until you get the appropriate evaluation, which you obviously need. The big problem is after you are in automobile accidents, 10 or 15 years later, you get osteoarthritis, which is bony overgrowth around the areas that were injured. And you can get pain if there's entrapment of the nerves around that area. And that is treatable uh, non-surgically and surgically. The surgery is the last thing you want to have on your neck or back, but there are things that you can do. Soma is a muscle relaxant. Uh, It is a drug of abuse. People mix it up with other stuff and abuse it. But uh, for someone like you who has muscle spasm, uh, it can be very helpful uh, at night. So I don't understand why this, your particular primary care doctor, um, um, would not give you this. Uh, I think I would have a further conversation with him or her. Let me tell you something to do in the interval that may be helpful. I would suggest that you try taking, if you can take Tylenol, uh, a single double strength Tylenol about 30 minutes before you go to bed and uh, preceded by about one uh, one hour before you go to bed by just over-the-counter melatonin. And melatonin is really good at synchronizing disturbed uh, sleep. I can't take melatonin. What's the problem with that? No, I would really have to get into into everything with you. Uh huh. Complicated. Um, okay. If you if you can't take that, hmm? because I, I'm fixing to get ready for work. I mean, I have tried melatonin before okay well why don't you why don't you send me an email if you really want more information on this and i can send you an email on insomnia 
and there are a lot of things other than prescription medicines you can do for that. So that would be number one. Number two, you need to get that appointment. You need to get that appointment uh, taken care of as quickly as possible. And if you tell them that you need an expedited appointment, and they say they don't have one, then what you should do is ask the uh, ask to speak directly to the uh, doctor's office, whatever office it is, orthopedics or rheumatology or wherever. And I hope that's helpful. I'm sorry you got that problem. Let's go to Meridian and Frank. Hey, Frank, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? I'm better since you called. What's happening? <laughs> I had a quick question. The uh, How come the flu only comes in the wintertime? And I'll take the answer off the air. Okay. Uh, the answer is I don't know. Um, the, 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 uh, the, it has, first of all, it obviously has something to do with transmission in the winter. We tend to be inside and in groups like school, and it's more easily transmittable because we see people with flu all year. Uh, it has something to do with the biology of the virus and uh, I don't think anybody's ever figured that out. But I looked up this morning because I knew we were going to have flu questions. I, I, I looked up the prevalence, how frequently the flu, uh, people get the flu by month. And it was an amazing bar graph. There's these little bitty bumps. And then all of a sudden you get up to February and it goes all the way up. So February is the bad month. And I will do some research before next week and see if I can find a biological explanation for that. But it will only be a hypothesis because nobody's really sure. Okay, thanks. Okay. Sorry I didn't answer that one, but I appreciate your call. We have an open line. We're at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I'm Dr. Rick, and I'm pontificating uh, on all things medical. Uh, today, and we'd love to have your call. We're trying to give some help to f- some folks who are dealing with whatever they're dealing with, uh, flu or otherwise. So give us a call. We have open lines, or you can send us an email at southernremedy.mpbonline.org. Let's go to Gary in Oxford. Hey, Gary. Gary, you're on the on the air. Hi, Dr. Rick. Good to hear uh, from you. I appreciate you call, taking the call. Uh, I recently had a rash basically around my abdomen and up around my shoulders. And uh, my first thought was, oh, gosh, I'm getting shingles. Uh And it lasted for about a week or so and then went away. Uh, But it got me thinking about uh, what what are your recommendations about getting shingles vaccine as far as age, when to to get it, and, and that what, anything you could tell me. About. Okay, well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what you had. Shingles is the, the chickenpox virus, and it it after you have the chickenpox, which just about everybody has, uh, uh, our age has had chickenpox. The kids are getting shots now, a lot of them. Uh, uh, it lives in the nerves of your body, and frequently it lives in the nerves that connect to the spinal cord. So uh, when uh, when you get stressed or ill for another reason, uh, or if you just have bad luck, the thing pops out 
of those nerves frequently along your chest wall in a linear fashion, uh, starting around near your back and then going all the way around. They can show up on your face uh, and so forth. And most of the time, uh, the 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 blisters that come from this last about two weeks. And what we're concerned about is two two things. One, well, a lot of things, but in particular, two things. If it's on your face, it can get in your eye and cause some visual issues. So that's number one. We want to make sure it doesn't get in the eye. Number two, uh, in a, a significant percentage of people, you can get over them and then have pain at the site that they were of that nerve that can be excruciating. So we pretty much treat all shingles now with antivirals if people have it. You are correct that getting a shingle shot is a for sure thing for all seniors. Uh, they your insurance probably will not pay for it until you're fifty or sixty depending, or even 65, depending on what insurance you have. And that is a limiting factor. I think everybody ought to have a shingle shot when they're 50. Most of the people who get bad shingles get it over 50, but a lot of my patients I give a prescription to go get at the drugstore, and they won't give it to them because uh, they don't want to pay for it. It's pretty expensive. And uh, so I would check with my insurance provider and see when you can have it. Uh, everybody ought to have it except people on chemotherapy or have uh, some kind of cancer where their immune system is suppressed. We also don't give it to people on uh, high doses of corticosteroids like prednisone or uh, biologic agents uh, like Humira for rheumatoid arthritis and other inflammatory um, illnesses because it, suppre- it can go wild. You can get disseminated herpes. So if you're otherwise in good health, even if you've had shingles, uh, we recommend that you get the shot. So if that was shingles, you'd still qualify for immunization. Gary, did I get what you needed? Yes, sir. Is that a one-time shot? Or... Yes, it is. It is for adults. Yes, it is. And right, well, thank you so much. Uh, and my patients are not having any problems with it. I'm just everybody walks in the door. That sort of the key to my office. Have you had your shingle shot? So there you go. Good to talk to you. Thank you. All right. Thanks for your call. We got one line open. If you want to get to us before we go off the air, let's go to Jackson and Paul. Hey, Paul, thanks for your call. Hey, Paul. Yeah. Good to hear from you. Same here, Doc. Uh, glad you could take my call. Sure. I have uh, my wife. She's been bothered with sinuses for, I would say, since. Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. Uh, she's been to MEA, been to the doctor, had a uh, uh, sinus, she had afrin, she's had um, antibiotics prescribed to her, and it's a mucus type buildup. She uh-huh. went and got the Decadron shot, it lasted for two days, and she's bothered, can't breathe through her nose, just totally through her mouth. And it's starting to, you know, affect other issues. Okay. So we're trying to see what can we do or what is our next step. Let me give you some quick suggestions. All these different places. And I'll take uh, your answer off the phone. Well, don't hang up in case I have to come back. So um, has she had an X-ray of her sinuses, a CT of her sinuses? I don't think she has. Okay. Well, then you haven't seen the right person for this problem. 
because that would be the first step in evaluating what to do about it. Uh, you can't see the sinuses through the nose. You have to get an X-ray, and we have these mini CTs uh, that are very effective in determining what the problem is. Most people with chronic sinusitis have allergies or mechanical problems in the way that they clear mucus. The first thing we do with those patients is start them on nasal saline lavage with a squeeze bottle device called a Neomed that's over the counter at the drugstores with salt water twice a day. That gets rid of it in probably 50% of people because that keeps the, the inflammation cleared in the sinuses. We also use a topical nasal steroid. My favorite is uh, Nasacort, which is over the counter. Um, and uh, with that, and so after you lavage your nose out twice a day, you spray two sprays of that or one spray, depending on how much you need, in your nose to shrink it down, and that usually will get rid of most chronic sinusitis. Uh, Afrin is not something we use other than a week at a time uh, in people who have severe nasal blockage. So the first week of your therapy, when you start the lavage and the back, the the uh, the t- topical nasal steroid, whichever one your insurance will pay for, we frequently use the Afrin first, one spray on each side of the nose, wait 10 minutes, then uh, do the wash, because that opens your nose up where you can get the wash up there, then wait 10 minutes for it to drain, and then use the nasal steroid. And that will usually knock it out when you do that twice a day. It sounds to me like she has a complicated sinusitis. You need to take her either to an otolaryngologist, an ENT person, or an allergist. Both of those people specialize uh, in uh, this problem, and that they will they know what to do about it because this has gotten complicated at this point. Um, and I hope that's helpful, Paul. If not, send me an email, and I'll send you a patient information sheet. Let's go to Tennessee and Steve. Hey, Steve. Hey. Thanks for your call. Yeah. I just wanted to suggest that you look into vitamin D in the flu. Uh The theory theory being that in the winter months, there's less sunlight, and therefore people's vitamin D Mm -hmm. levels drop. And I've I've seen a lot about that on the Internet. And I know in my own case, since I've been taking uh, a vitamin D supplement, I don't get the crud every spring. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It used to be vitamin C, and now it's vitamin D. So, uh, yeah, so vitamin C was shown in controlled trials uh, not to have really any effect on much of anything. Uh, it doesn't hurt you because you pee it out in your urine. Vitamin well, D that. vitamin D is different. Vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin, and if you take it too much of it, you can get a vitamin D toxicity, which is very serious. Most people in the Gulf South, Uh, have, uh, especially seniors, need to be on vitamin D supplement uh, for their bones. But I don't know of any data that it works on the flu or anything else like that. But I'll I'll talk about it next week. Uh, But it won't hurt you if you if you don't get intoxicated. You need to have your level checked the next time you have your regular checkup. Thanks for your call on that, Steve. I'm sorry I didn't have more time. You've been listening to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, and we're so glad that you joined us. Uh, Stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio and always interesting. We'll be back same time, same place next week.
Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. 